Gig Gab, the Working Musicians Podcast, episode 160 for Monday, April 9th, 2018. <music> Greetings, folks, and welcome to Gig Gab, the podcast that is by, for, and about working musicians. Here in Durham, New Hampshire, I'm Dave Hamilton. Here in Los Gatos, California, Paul Kent. And our sponsor today is Tune Licensing at TuneLicensing.com, where GigGab2018 as a coupon code saves you 15% off of licensing fees. We'll talk more about some of the details of that in a minute. But uh, how are you doing today, Mr. Kent? I'm doing great, man. It's been a long weekend of a lot of music and it actually continues into this week. So I got some cool things to share. How about you? How are you doing? Uh, yeah, it was a, actually a, a lot of music this week for me too, in, in a variety of different ways as it, as it always seems to be for, for us. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, it was, uh, it was good. Really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah. What'd you do? Uh, let's see. Well, uh, fling rehearsal last week, which, you know, like the, as, as usual goes, goes well, we started actually started working on some original stuff or, well, I mean, we have these original tunes. We've been kind of digging back through some of our, um, older original tunes as we prep for this gig on May 5th, where we're doing an all original night. And, um, we've got some friends of ours playing with us, uh, doing their originals, like they're not playing with fling, but you know, throughout the night, there'll be, I think three different acts playing and everybody's doing some originals and it should be, should be fun. So it was fun kind of digging back in and, and, you know, it's always interesting digging into tunes, whether they're originals or covers that you just haven't played in a while and stopping and saying, hey, wait, let's tweak that thing or, you know, whatever. And um, so so that that happened on Tuesday. And then uh, and there were some other things that happened in the middle in the middle. But on Saturday, my friend Russ, who's the guitar player in Fling, had an acoustic jam at his house. And I went over there for that for a little bit. And. While I was for most of it, in fact, it was just uh, or at least most of the time I was there was just uh, four of us from fling. So we wound up playing, you know, some tunes that we know. And, and then we we sort of intentionally started playing tunes we didn't know so that it, it became less like a rehearsal, um, which is sort of what we fell into. But it was interesting. We wound up playing this one tune that we've probably been playing for 10 years and I don't think we've ever played it acoustic before. Certainly, I don't think I've ever been involved in that. And we got to the chorus of the tune. I went to sing the harmony, and it was like, you know, that 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 thing in your brain that stops you when you're singing a note that you can hear conflicts with something else, you know? Mm-hmm. And it was like, all right, what's going on? And so he came back around to it, and I'm like, all right, where is that? And it, it was like, whoa, one of our guitar players is playing like a minor chord when it should be a major chord when it's like – wow, how have we never noticed this before? <laughs> like, right. how's, this, how's this not come up in 10 years? You know, and, and obviously we went through it and it was like, oh yeah, no man, that, that should be a, a B major, not a B minor. And, yeah, fresh ears can change everything, right? Well, that's it, you know, and playing it acoustic and, and sort of, you know, stripping a song down to its essence and pulling the distortion and the, you know, the, the stage wash out of it and all that stuff. Really, I mean, it was it was just amazing to me that this was, it, it was so obvious 
that I couldn't even sing because well, I mean, and I was also singing the third. So that was the weird part, right? Is I was, I was trying to sing that note and it was like, Whoa, you're playing a minor second to me. What? <laughs> and, but, but still like, how have I, I, I have great in-ear mixes on stage. I have that particular guitar, like pretty present for me, but it was like, yeah, nope. Never came up <clears> before. <throat> okay. Okay. So, you know, it was just, I mean, it, in one sense it was, too bad to be rehearsing, you know, in a moment where we should have just been like the, the point was just to get together and play some tunes and have some fun. But um, but, you know, like take the opportunity when it presents itself to, oh, hey, can we tweak that? Yeah, sweet. <laughs> so, That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good deal. So and then I had some other stuff, but I'll, I'll, I'll let you go and then I'll circle back to me. How's that sound? That's good. Um, so I'm actually tonight on night four of five nights in a row singing quite a bit. Wow. And yeah, so I did a solo acoustic show Thursday and those are always easy on my voice. They never seem to, you know, push anything. Really? I sing 80%. Yeah. I, I do those and, you know, I can, they never ever have wear and tear. Then I did about 80% of my classic rock night, my kind of pickup thing with some friends, which I want to talk about. Yeah. And that was, yeah, that was cool. But I sang about 80% of that. And then it was a house rocker show and, you know, house rocker shows are the ones that can get me, um, if I'm not careful. Sure. And I don't know whether it's because I knew that I also had last night, Sunday night, I had a rehearsal, a spring scene rehearsal and uh, that I was going to have to sing for, you know, another couple hours, but whatever, I, I got to say, I'm really conscious of technique, you know, really pushing from the diaphragm, really not squeezing my my larynx, my my vocal cords, sure. and, you know, straining. And it's paying off. And, and actually, if anything, you know, it's getting kind of that nice, creamy texture, you know, roughness texture to the voice. Yeah. I really, you know, can hear it. So, you know, you, you think about these people who do who do, you know, Vegas shows or, or Broadway shows and they're singing eight shows a week, right? Yeah. I mean, y- yeah. it can be done. I have a the thing about that, though. Like most of the people that are doing mm-hmm. Broadway shows are not singing three hours straight like you are. That's true. Rocky, right. They, That's they, true. they might sing four, maybe six songs a night. Right. And, and I, I don't mean to take any. I work with a lot of those people. But, I, you know, it always kind of it's like they're so concerned about taking care of their voices. And that's not a bad thing. But it's always like, wow, well, like what would happen if you had to do a rock gig and, and play three sets? Like, sure. Like, what would that be like? So, I mean, you know, sure. but but you're right. You're singing, you know, like you said, eight shows a week. That's a lot, man. Yeah. Yeah. The, well, the Vegas performers, though, that, that's yeah, Vegas, that's a real thing. Sure. For sure. Yeah. It's all real. It's just different, you know, t- different aspects of it. The, the Broadway yeah. people are also dancing and moving and like all of that stuff, too. So, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that's uh, that's how my week started. And um, I did I did the acoustic show. It was great. Really fun. Um, and then the classic rock night and then a full house rocker gig Saturday night and then a spring scene rehearsal last night. And I have a solo gig tonight. But again, I'm mostly just reflecting on how really focusing on good technique, having good monitors and, you know, striving for both those things, insisting that you can hear yourself and insisting on singing right makes yeah. all the difference in the world. It does. Yeah. Being, so, yeah, it does. And, and I, I will add to that hydration in, in a huge way. Right. That for me, smart. that's the that's the thing that kills me. I had um. Uh, an acoustic gig on Friday night with monkey fist. And it was actually really nice to get back to uh, me, 
Johnny D who's always in monkey fist and, and Jimmy that sort of the, the three classic members, if you will, of monkey fist, we played a lot of monkey fist gigs, all of us without the others. I think it's been, might've been six months since the three of us played a gig together. And man, it was just so nice to just, you know, from like song one, it was like, Oh, right. We don't have to worry. Everybody's here to do what they're doing. Like there's no, there's no wild card, you know, and sometimes like the wild card can be fun because it changes things and, you know, brings a different aspect to it. But, um, but when you haven't had that, you know, boring old, same thing, uh, it's not boring and old, uh, nor is it the same, but, but it's very comfortable. And we had a, we had a real blast. Um, but with monkey fist, I'm singing, High harmonies above Johnny D all night for, you know, three hours, pretty much straight. And, and most of that is falsetto, full voice. No, how, full, how do you handle voice. that real stuff? Mostly, wow. mostly full voice. Uh, and again, you have you've you have never had a singing lesson. You've kind of taught yourself technique about how to live in your head voice like that, huh? Um, no, I, I, I did. And then I had some singing lessons and um and and they helped now i haven't had a ton of them but but i have had some that really kind of helped me learn to project and relax and all of that stuff when i had bell's palsy about 10 years ago i my the you know the right side bell's palsy is the thing where one side of your face or the other gets uh, paralyzed and it just like shuts down for weeks and it Pretty much came back, but there's there was, you know, somewhere between five and 10 percent that that just didn't recover. So I have different control on my right side versus my left side. But what that forced me to do was relearn how to sing. And I'm a way better singer than I was before I had Bell's palsy now because I had to learn. It was like, oh, wait a minute. These things work differently. So. Um, but I noticed the next day when I went to that fling or that that acoustic jam over at, at Russ's house that. You know, the first note I went to sing was like, oh, right. I'm still a little dehydrated. Like, I need to fix this problem. Uh, otherwise, otherwise, I'm going to hurt myself, it, it, you know. And, uh, yep. yep. So that's just, you know, that's just make sure you stay hydrated. Yeah. Yep. Hydrated yeah. technique. Yeah. Be able oh, to right. hear yourself. Right. Actually, the, the voice teacher I had, he actually said that monitors um, and are, are not as important like the, a core fundamental skill for a singer mm-hmm. is to be able to feel the vibration. Yeah. Yeah. Cause your body will take care of pitch if you can feel the vibration. Right. And so he actually said that, you know, it's kind of akin to wanting to get out and you know look at yourself on camera in order to fix things as opposed to being able to just feel correctly and do things right. Yep. Which I think is, that's a little bit extreme, but I mean, the, the premise is right. Is that very core to singing is just literally being able to place that vibration where, you know, whether it's your chest or your head or your, you know, wherever it's going to be. But um, that is a fundamental thing. And so if you concentrate on that, pitch gets really, really natural, you know, and I found that to be really effective. I I totally agree. Um, I find, you know, I mean, I grew up probably like you did playing in bands without a monitor and being back by the drum set, like there was nothing, you know? So I learned, I always said like, you know, when you're in tune, you kind of, you can taste it. You can, it's not a taste, but you feel it in your mouth. It's that vibration. You're aligned. You're you're aligned. Yeah. Yeah. But where monitors are really helpful is blending harmonies, you know, like controlling Mm. relative levels to somebody else and really kind of making that, you know, lock in starting and ending phrases together. Like that sort of thing is where I find monitors super helpful, but that makes sense. But 
I also really like the, to be able to hear myself because then it's it's just less work. <laughs> it's just or I, maybe it's not less work. It's more input. Right. So, it, yes, I could could do it and mostly sing in tune, I think, without having a monitor, but having it there. It just adds to that comfort level of, okay, now I know I'm in tune, right? There's no, I've got, I've got various input sources telling me it's all good. Okay, great. It's all good. No problem. Well, I, to take it out further, you know, one of the great things that in-ears does for me when I have it right, and lately it's been great, is, um, especially for money notes, you tend to not have to push as hard as you would if you feel like you have to get over something, right? Sure. And that's, that's makes all the difference in keeping your voice healthy because you know one or two one or two really squeeze notes can can wreck you can that can be it for the night and so and, and yeah for the next night that's right exactly yeah so that's that's the thing that good monitors and specifically in-ears because even good monitors you know when you have stage volume you know i don't know about you but for rock shows good floor monitors allow me to hear myself Good in-ear monitors allow me to really effortlessly hear nuance and, yes. you know, you know, very subtle things. And those subtle things allow me to kind of relax more when I sing. So that that's the magic of in-ears to me. I, I agree with that. That same magic, like it's magic once you get used to it. Mm. There, it's, I found uh, a very it seemed like a long adjustment process, maybe six months, you know, three to six months. And perhaps the guys in the band uh, that I was in at the time might argue it was a year, but a, a, <laughs> a, a, a process of of learning how to deal with that level of information. Right. Because it it's it's way more than you're ever used to hearing other than maybe in a recording studio. And sometimes that's too much, you know, like you're like, well, I can hear myself too well. You wind up backing off the mic too much. You wind up not projecting, not supporting your voice. Your tone changes for the worse. Right. I mean, there's all these things. And and you like what I had to remember was, well, wait a minute, just because I can hear myself better doesn't change the fact that there's a rock band playing around me and like the only way the speakers work to project my voice out is if I project at some minimum level in and just because I can hear myself when I whisper, you know, that's not going to come out over there. Like, even though it's loud as, as, as could be to me, ain't nobody heard it. You know? yeah. So so there was that there is there if, for those of you listening that haven't made the jump to in ears or perhaps just made the jump. There is that that you be ready for that. It is an adjustment process. Don't try in ears for the first time at a gig. You know, be aware that this is going to be weird. And and then just work with it and figure it out and you'll get there. It's it's well, I, I've yeah. detailed my you know trials and tribulations yeah. with ears for a long time. And, and I would say lately, Bill's done an amazing job and he's gotten me really, really good mixes. And now it's really now it's a discipline issue for me because it's like once you take them out because you just want to see what the energy on stage is like mm-hmm. or you just want to see what the blend is like or any any just want to. Right. Once you take them out and you're kind of feeling the energy of the stage, it's really hard to go back in. It's so hard. it is really a discipline of of being willing to stick with using the in-ears for a whole show. They will do great things for you. They can do great things for you. And, you know, now that I've gotten the mix thing down and the blend thing down, really, it's a discipline. So once I take them out and I kind of feel that 
you know, yeah. air pushing around me, it's really hard to go back inside and, you know, stick the ears back in. Go, go a couple of years of, of that, that discipline where you, you know, you're just in your head for a while and it'll feel weird the other way. Like it's just, mm. it's a comfort level thing, right? You've been doing it one way for a long time. And also it's how you learn to do it. And also you've been very successful doing it that way, right? I mean, there's they, like, they, there's a lot of change that's happening and it's just time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you use in-ears when you play your uh, acoustic gigs or no? No, I use the Bose, you know, yep. yeah. L- L1, which I love. The sound is so great. And my acoustic gigs are also, um, you know, they're n- typically not a, lo- a lot of volume. Right. 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 And uh, yeah. So and that actually is it's an interesting question. I never even thought to use them on my in-ear gigs. And, and mostly I'm reflecting that. It's the whole vibe of the room. You know, there is still that thing to me. And I don't know whether that goes away, but when you're, when your in-ears are in, you are isolated. Even if you put a audience mic out, you know, that's somewhat directional. You know, you can't hear something going off, you know, 70 degrees to the left and that type of thing. And so, or behind the mic or, you know, that type of thing. So it helps to kind of connect you to the room, but it's not the same as your natural hearing, you know, drawing your attention directionally. Totally. Oh, no, I, I, I agree. Do you use an ambient mic or an audience mic uh, on stage with the House Rockers for your We ears? don't. We're, we're out of channels, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. That would be a luxury. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh, well. Oh, well. Um, we're so out of channels now. Just kind of a funny story. We're um, we're doing a couple of new Bruno Mars t- tunes. We're doing this one song called Perm. And we've got the horns uh, doing the kind of call and response vocals. And it looks really cool. But we don't have any more mics to give them. So they literally have to sing into the, the mics of their wireless mics that are on their horns. The, the horn. Which, yeah. Yeah. Which kind of looks cool in a way. But, you know, it's probably not the best for blending and for mixing. You know, because, you know, it's a lot different when they're blowing through a trumpet what that mic has to do than when you're leaning into that mic to try and get some vocals into it. It yeah. actually looks like it looks kind of street. It looks kind of cool, but um, yeah, we're out of channels, man. We got, we, we, we I think even if we went, we're 24 channels. If we went to 30 channel board, I think we'd be out on that as well. I was just going to say, you just, more. you just run out right away. Everybody does. Yeah. That's just how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It's like hard drive space. You know, I mean, you never say you have enough. No, we learned that lesson. Channels work expands to fit the space that you give it. Yes. Nature abhors a vacuum, man. That's there you go. Yep. Hey, so I wanted to tell you about, wait, 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 wait. I want to tell you about my, no, I'm going to talk about our sponsor first. Then you're going to tell me about that. Okay, cool. Cool. Uh, our sponsor is, as I said at the beginning of the show, Tune Licensing at TuneLicensing.com. What these folks do is they take care of all of the headaches that are associated with getting songs licensed, cover songs licensed for you to release on your own. Lots of bands have done really, really well marketing themselves using cover tunes, either original bands or cover bands. Doesn't matter. A cover song can really help you kind of get in the door, into people's heads, and then, boom, they start listening more. They want to come and see your shows, all of that stuff. And it's great. And there's nothing wrong with it unless you do it the wrong way. Because if you do it the wrong way, then you don't have the rights to publish what you've published. And somebody might show up and shut you down or worse, demand money from you. And that's bad in, in, in going backwards. Yeah. 
It's, it's, it's just bad in the, even if you unintentionally didn't do it right. Right. Just the time it's going to take you to dig yourself out of that hole. It's such a valuable service. And so many bands are, are, uh, are now, a lot of cover bands around here are taking CDs of cover songs to their gigs as an extra revenue source. So it seems like there's just tons of upside about having a partner and two licensing this. The site is so easy and they just take care of everything, you know, a few clicks and you're basically on your way. That's it. And make sure before you're on your way, before you check out, use coupon code GIGGAB2018. That saves you 15% off of the the fees and service that they provide there. You got to check them out. TuneLicensing.com. GIGGAB2018 is your code. Our thanks to Tune Licensing for sponsoring this episode. All right, Paul. Thanks to Tune Licensing. Yeah, so I wanted to dig into Friday night. It was really a lot of fun. So I did this PK and Friends. So I've started, you know, as I've been investing more in kind of my, my personal brand around town in doing music events. So, you know, remember, I, I do solo gigs. Some of them are ticketed. Some of them are just, you know, restaurant gigs or, you know, I'm there. Um, I do my trio gigs uh, and I work with my trio on some ticketed gigs. And then... I, um, and then the house rockers. And then now, you know, just kind of like as I do things around town and wanting to bring more and different musicians together. And sometimes it's just people I like to play with. And sometimes it's people I've met who I, sure. who, you know, they said, Hey, we should do something together. So I'm starting to do these PK and friends thing. I did a Tom Petty tribute last fall. And now, uh, I'm doing this, uh, I, this classic rock night. And some of it is, I just wanted a night where I could just play all, only a set of stuff that I love doing with a band. So I took a couple guys, my buddies from the House Rockers, a couple my friends from Acoustic Madness, a, a guy who I just really like. I like his playing. We, I, I got to sit in with his band one time, and we said, "Hey, we should do something together." And so I invited him in. So we actually had four guitars. I noticed um, that in one of the videos. It was like, wow, yeah, it's like they're pushing past Skinner here. Yeah, it was so cool, man. And, and again, it was it was a lot of it was the petty stuff that we did because you know some of the people playing played in that. So I knew that would be a good foundation. Sure. I have been really totally in the mood to play some Clapton lately. So I threw a couple of cream songs in, which was really fun. Um, a couple of these people are playing in the Bruce band with me. And so, you know, I got, I got to sneak in a run through of a couple more songs cause we don't get a lot of time to rehearse that. So, you know, it had kind of an altered purpose there. Everybody, you know, who wanted to sing, got to sing a couple songs. So they got a little bit of spotlight. Acoustic Madness was all there. So we did a, um, a mini set at the break for the stuff. It was about for 40 people. It, you know, it wasn't a huge crowd. It wasn't a huge place. Sure. It was kind of a big cafe uh, that has a music room and a stage. But it was so fun. I mean, it was really cathartically wonderful to literally – the, the music I absolutely love to play um, to just do it. And yeah, I would say, you know, that many places have like a classic rock jam, but you don't know the players and you don't right. know really what's going to happen. Yeah, that's this different. was like people I knew were cool, you know, would spend enough time. I wasn't expecting perfection, right. but it was actually right. pretty damn good. It was actually that's pretty. Good. Yeah. And, uh, you know, to be able to sing some of these things. Um, and then it's all those little serendipitous things when people go a little bit farther to prepare. So, um, uh, we played ticket to ride, which interestingly enough, Joe, my drummer is a huge Beatles fan. And he said, he's never played ticket to ride and he just totally got off on it. And, and actually it was nice to play with Joe, my old drummer from the house rockers. Yeah, Cause you know, cool. we just love playing rock together. So, but, um, Aaron, this, this friend of mine who I got to play with for the first time on guitar, he brought a double neck Dan Electro and actually played the 12 string part of ticket to ride, which chimed that's so beautifully. Awesome. And all of a sudden, you know, it's just, just, 
you, you, my expectations is that it would be good. And then anything above good is just really thrilling. So Simon wanted to sing uh, Tequila Sunrise by the Eagles. And then Steve and Mary Ellen added perfect Eagles harmonies to it. And all of a sudden it was kind of a magic moment, right? And it was just a night of just really nice moments. And it was so rewarding, so fun. And I'm just reminded that if you pick the right people, like, you know, be discerning, uh, you know, pick people who you know will care enough about their own reputation to show up with some level of of preparedness. Yeah, that's the key. It's not just people that can play, but people that care at at the same level, right? Because if you got somebody that comes in and learns every song note for note, that person might actually be frustrated by everybody else that just came in and that's learned so them true. to play them, right? So you got to have everybody like that's so important, yeah. But that's great. That's oh, I'm so, I'm glad to hear that, man. I'm glad to hear it. It was really cool, and it was something I would want. Like I can do it two or three times a year, maybe, yeah, right? And right. and I think word got out. A lot of people shared videos, and you know, probably seemed like more people were there than were actually there. But I think everybody who was there kind of felt like this was really cool. I like all these people individually it's kind of fun that they're just getting together to play music whether it was rehearsed or not was kind of beyond those people they would have only known if it was good or bad right and they kind of unanimously thought it was good and then again those little moments and that's that thing where like people who don't always play together in this format you have a moment you look over at that person that translates to the audience in a pretty magical way. Like, oh, these people are doing something live and in the moment and they're they're doing it. And that means something to the consumer of the music, right? Yeah. The listener. And that's that was really some fun stuff. So uh, just so rewarding and easy, right? You know, I, well, with I, with the right people. Yeah. With <laughs> and the right picking people, the right yeah. songs. I mean, you know, you're not trying to pull off, you know, roundabout or maybe you did. I don't know. But, um, you, you know, pick the right songs with the right people. And boom, you're it's it's fun. It's music for fun for everyone. Right. Yeah, that's the that's the point. That's great. I like that. I'm going to steal that idea, man. That's good. It's really cool. And again, I think it was I didn't do it for my brand. I did it because I wanted to play the music. I think it's kind of a nice thing to be identified. It's a rewarding thing amongst musicians in town. Oh, Paul does these interesting things to pull people together. And, you know, and, uh, you know, I try to give everybody a moment to shine. And, and you know, that that's how kind of I want to be seen amongst the community of musicians here is that I, 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 you know, I love the music so much. I want to play with cool people. I want to play with nice people yep. and I want to entertain people and give them, you know, something, whether it's a house. Yeah, absolutely. Well, whether it's a $5 ticket, a $10 ticket or $20 ticket, I want people to know that if they come to see something that I have my name on, that there's going to be a certain level of joy a certain level of quality, a certain level of unpredictability, you know, that I'm thinking that there's a, there's meaning to this exchange. Like if you're going to trust me with a couple hours of your life, I want to give you something of value back for it. And, and I just really enjoy that whole pursuit of that. And so this was a really rewarding thing. Like you get rewarding for my own personal brand, rewarding musically, rewarding on a bro basis. I mean, just really hit yeah. on a lot of cylinders. Well, that, you, you know, that, that, um, that concept of, of, Having that palpable joy translate from the stage to the crowd is huge, right? I mean, we, I guess I mentioned that acoustic gig we did, uh, the Monkey Fist gig we did Friday night. It, you know, the three of us were so happy to be playing together. We didn't want to leave the stage. You know, it's a three hour gig. We play 730 to 1030. And we got to like eight thirty. It was like, well, you want to do three sets or two? It was like, I don't want to stop. Let's just like, mm. like, let's just keep going. So we 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 did two. You know, we we did take a short break, but it was like, you know, we started at seven thirty. I think we took our break at like nine oh five or something. It was like, well, if, guys, if we're gonna break, like, we have to do it now or never. You know, we, we got to play all the way through. 
And so I was like, yeah, okay, all right, I got to pee or whatever. Okay, we'll take a break. But we really didn't want to stop playing. We were just having so much fun. That's and, cool. And the crowd totally not only picked up on it, but joined in on it. And, mm. you know, they just kept throwing out band names and, and things like that. And they weren't up, like, they, it was great. They would, they were requests, but more it was suggestions. Like, hey, do you guys know anything by this band? I was like, wow, come on, dude, we can't play sticks. Like, like one of the guys said, Yo, you should play sticks. And uh, like, well, oh, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. And I pointed, you know, over to a table where my friend Jim had been sitting. He had just left. And he's uh, he's in a uh, just starting up an Ario Speedwagon slash sticks like cover slash tribute project. Mm. And and I said, oh, it's too bad. You should have said, you know, you should have said something earlier. You know, Jim's doing this thing. And I mentioned Ario Speedwagon. And as soon as I said it, I thought I thought, oh, no, like this guy. Now he's going to want an Ario Speedwagon tune. And sure enough, he's like, dude, that's what you should play. And so we did. We pulled out uh, Take It on the Run. And and actually it went fairly well, even though we've never. So new Ario Speedwagon. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Not riding the storm out, Ariel. Right, right, right. Yeah. So, um, so, but you know, it was just, it was that kind of a night and it, it absolutely started on stage with us having fun, bantering with each other because we were having fun. It was just a genuine, natural thing. And, um, and you know, and it went. It went by way too fast, which is great. You know, hey, do, for most three hour gigs, do you do two sets or do you do three sets? I, I prefer to do just two. Yeah. Yeah. And um, are most of your gigs three hours or four hours? Uh, a lot of them are three and a Clip half. Eight. Yeah. A lot of them are three and a half. And so that for those, you wind up doing three sets or I, I do. Um, but uh, but otherwise, if they're if they're three hour gigs, um, I, I, I like to do just two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We pretty much are doing two on three hour gigs now. I mean, there was a, there was. Have you ever gone straight through on a three hour gig? Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you and I have too together. Yeah, but yeah, definitely, definitely. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But, but yeah, no. Sometimes when the energy's right, um, you know, uh, that's the right thing to do. There was one clam bake gig we did. It was at Milestones in Rochester, New York. Don't ask me why I remember that. Um, and it was a three-hour night, maybe a four-hour night, I want to say, maybe, or three-and-a-half kind of thing. And uh, we would do three sets at this club, and we did mm -hmm. one big, long set. I mean, it was a sweaty night. The crowd was, like, into it. They were literally dumping ice on the crowd to cool people mm -hmm. down. Uh, but it was like, all right, yeah, we keep going. And, you know, Maury at the end of the gig turned around, and he's like, do you guys mind that we just did that? I'm like, no, it's fine. Like, you know, we're sweating so much. Nobody needs to stop to pee. Like, just keep going, man. It's fine. Yeah, it's good. Keeps the energy up because you can lose crowds. Uh, you know, I don't know that whether or not we would have lost one that particular night, but like it, it, we've all seen it happen where things are going great and you take a 15 minute break and you come back. It's like, hey, who left the crickets on the seats? You know, right. Yep. Yeah. Three hour club dates are, are um, that's different than when you go see a rock band play for three hours. I mean, because club dates have kind of a flow to them, right? You know, do they start out slow? Mm. Do they, you know, can you wear an audience out if you do 10 intense tunes in a row? Like yeah. literally, can you, can you wear them out? So, you know, being able to hold an audience for three hours straight is actually a pretty cool thing. I've done three hours straight acoustic gigs, which is, you know, again, they're lower energy things and I can kind of flow through them. 
we got to the place with house rockers where, and again, remember brass players have a little bit of a, you know, they have a physical issue about that amount of friction. So, sure. so you can't play trumpet for three hours, but, no, but um, we had a sax and clarinet player in the clam bake. I'll point yeah. out. So yeah, you know, it's, but you're right. I mean, it, there, there are physical limitations to being able to yeah. do these things. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, but we're pretty much my rule with the band is two hours or less we play straight through, two hours or more we'll take a break. Yeah, there you go. That's yeah. That's, yeah, that's yeah. kind of as long as everybody knows, like and but I yeah. think that's a good rule in a general sense. I mean it, it you know, if if you're feeling the vibe and it causes you to change things a little bit, that's different. But but uh, yeah, that's a good rule. Um my that, that coming back to that acoustic gig I did Friday night, I don't know what's going on with me. I uh you know, I play that pitch slap. Uh, the, the, it's like a, it's a cajon pitch slap is the brand. I have to be very careful when I enunciate to, to say that word, but, uh, it's a brand <laughs> name, brand name of the, this cajon I play. And the one I have is, was built initially to be a tabletop cajon, but they put a guitar strap on it so I can stand up and play it, which is great. I love it. I love the freedom. It sounds great. And I bought a clip on mic, like one that you would put on a horn, uh, you know, like a saxophone or, or whatever to to mic the thing and it worked great i had a, it was a nady mic and then it just last summer it just stopped working at a gig and so i bought a new one and for some reason now that i've bought this new one I, I bought a different brand but it's effectively the same thing and i keep it in the same case i have like this pelican case that i put it in i never bring that stupid thing to gigs i've probably played <laughs> it 30 at least 30 percent of the gigs i've played with it if not 50 percent I leave the stupid mic at home and I, I just can't figure it out. I, I never forget things at gigs. Habits, but, muscle memory. But this was like, I, I, I was doing it just fine for, for a couple of years before I just had to replace the microphone. Nothing changed other than the mm. brand name of the mic that's in the same box. And I showed up at the gig again the other night. It was like, what is the matter with me? And, you know, sometimes Lisa's coming out to the gig so I can like shoot her a quick text like, hey, can you grab that that thing again? But right. um, but, you know, I mean, I can put a mic on a stand or a clip on a, on my mic stand and it, it, it does enough. But it's you know, it's it, it's imperfect, but it's just the weirdest thing. So I guess I got to uh, I got to put some kind of a note on like perhaps on my on my cajon that says, you know, bring the mic or something like mm -hmm. that. So that when I grab that, I remember to grab the mic. I don't know what to do. I like do you keep a list of things that that you need to bring like how do you remember what to bring with you to a gig is it just in your head or am i cursing um, am i cursing literally everyone listening right now by asking this question <laughs> well i have two ways to answer this so one is yeah. i'm fairly contained right so you know pretty much all i have to do is print the set list and remember to put the set list in my guitar bag and i'm good and i actually get very anal because i've forgotten set lists and that's you know that type of thing yeah but you know i i don't have uh, you know a, a dispersed amount of stuff that i got to collate together in order to get out to a gig i don't have that problem but i will tell you this you know concept of even if you know you're supposed to do something not doing something so i it's slightly different but you'll you'll get a kick out of this sure i have gone through periods of time where I just skip a song on the set list and it's, you know, I'll just like, I'll look down at the set list and I, I'll think, okay, this is the next song and I'll, and I'll start the next song or I'll call the next song, whatever it is. And you'll get these lists from the guys. And, and after I did it a couple times, I'm like, tell myself, be very conscious about what you're about to do. Focus on the set list. Think about the set list. You know, are you sure this is the next song? And I can tell you, 
I've done that. Like I'm looking at the set list. I'm having the self inner monologue with myself. Like, dude, are you sure this is the next song? Did you just play it? And still, and still call the wrong song. I mean, it's, it's the weirdest thing. So I, this exercise of focus and making sure that I'm, I'm on the right song on the set list has been a thing with me. And I'm, you know, really focused on not making that mistake anymore. It doesn't happen like every gig, no. but it happens often enough and it should never happen. I'm looking at a piece of paper. Uh, it should not happen. And it happens on occasion. So it's kind of a weird thing. I, you are in good company. I, Oh really? Well, I, 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 I mean, I've done that. Certainly I've looked at the list and just like, you know, you skip to the next song for whatever. I think for me, when it happens is if we're in the middle of a tune, I look down, it's like, okay, that's the song that's next. And then I do the thing you're not supposed to do, which is think about the next song for a few seconds. Like, okay, I know what to do. Great. Okay, that's fine. I don't need to worry about it. And then I continue playing the song that we're in. We finish in my head. Now I've already processed the next song. So I look at the list. It's like, all right, after that is, you know, and then and then you suddenly, you know, you're in that mode where you skip a song. That's when it's happened for me, as, as I noticed. But uh, I remember a Rush show back in, that was probably 88. Yeah, maybe 89 um, where Getty Lee went up to the mic. Now, at this point in their career, Rush was playing literally the same exact set every night. They weren't even like rotating. You know, they got to a point where they would play. They had three versions of the show. And so they'd change them night to night just to keep things interesting for themselves or whatever. But at this point in their career, they were playing literally the same. They made a show and they would go and put on that show, you know, whatever, 48 times in 48 different cities. And then that was that. Getty Lee goes and they were halfway through a tour and he goes up to the mic and, you know, announces the next song and you couldn't hear it, but you could tell that Neil was yelling at him from behind the drum set and he turns around <laughs> and he looks at him and he's like, what's that? Oh yeah, that's right. Oh, almost skipped a song. And so then he announced the song they were actually going to play and off they go. I feel better now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It ha- right. I mean, there's so much going on on stage. It's a weird, it's a, I was thinking about this. I think about this a lot. You know, that it's like one of the most comfortable places I can possibly be, even though it's like on paper, not comfortable at all. But there's a it's not a I don't want to call it a relaxed place being on stage. Right. There's so much going on. And perhaps that's why I like it. I like that, you know, the pressure of it and and the fun that you can have and sort of the being in the moment. But there's a lot to think about and and juggle in your head, even even though. After a while, a lot of it sort of, you know, becomes, you know, almost subconscious, right? All the things that you have to think about and do and, and make sure they're right and, and all that stuff. But like it's happening. There's, your, your brain's very busy on stage. And so it, it makes sense. It is. Well, yeah. here's, here's actually my most egregious error is. And I, the funny thing is I to this day tell myself every night, do you do band introductions? Like like a, a section of a song where you introduce the whole band or do you just or do you just introduce people as they have a – or, or do you introduce people we, at all? We do it more. We do introduce people, but it's more, uh, more natural. As they do. Just, yeah. When yeah, they do a solo or something, something like that. Like yeah. That. Sure. Yeah. So I have a section of the song. I, I might do that over the course of a night, call out a great solo and, you know, sure. but, but absolutely. I try to have a part of the show and this kind of goes back to what you were saying about, you know, rush doing the same show. So, so one of the benefits of, of doing a rote show is you can get all the stuff figured out and it's done. It's done. Like you said, right. there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff going on at all times when you're doing a show and when things are changing, your brain is trying to pick the one that's most 
most <laughs> most conducive to its survival yeah, <laughs> to, right. um, you can only to do, get through. Right. Yeah. 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 But I um, we do. Uh, I, I always want to do a section of the show where I acknowledge the whole band together, you know, go through and introduce every band member. And you know what? I really, really intend to every freaking night. Thank my sound guy during this stuff. I forget it on a fairly regular basis. Oh. Some some of it is because it's it's a ten piece band, and yeah. it takes a while to get through introducing ten people. But some of it is literally because I'm just. And I will tell you, I don't think there's a show where before I get to a show, I try to remind myself. My wife will come up to the front of the stage and wave at me, and sometimes that will trigger my head that I need to do that. And sometimes I get it right, and sometimes sure. if I don't get it right, I and I know I really want to do it, I try to frame it in a special way and thank him after the next song and say well, there's one more guy that we really got to thank we couldn't do a show without him and it's the absolute truth i mean he's of part course. of the band and, yeah, you know he's course. everything but i tell myself remember this every night and i don't know what again how the brain works i don't know whether it's because literally i'm going down the process of looking at each guy in the say, band he's not standing on stage he's not standing you. there yeah but i should after all this time it should, it should just be part of my rap it should but be just right. it should be automatic yeah yeah but it but for whatever reason i'm not a stupid guy right no. <laughs> for some reason this falls out this falls out on an almost nightly basis and i feel terrible about it every night oh. it certainly is not the intent but i think it's that thing it's like a lot of stuff has been happening. What is the next song? Where is the next song? Is this the song where I should do the band yeah, introductions? Is, is the crowd, Here's a good do I place. Have the crowd in the palm of yeah. my hand enough to get away with, you know, whatever, a minute and a half of almost dead air, right? You, you know, I mean, it's not dead air, but it's 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 that departure. Yeah. You got to think about all those things all yep. 100% of the time. Yep. <laughs> and I think your brain can only hold X amount of variables at one time comfortably, right? But, right, right. But that's an example. You know, looking down at it at a sheet saying, you got the right song? You sure you got the right song? You got the right song? Call it. It's the wrong song. Forgetting Bill on a, on a, a more regular basis than should ever happen. These are just like, you know, human frailties, man. These are yeah, just like. <laughs> it happens. Yeah. 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 You When you think, I mean, you, what, the, the, the one thing you didn't mention is all the lyrics you have to remember. And right. heaven forbid you think about having to remember all those lyrics on stage. Well, once you're in your head, you're done. It's over. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yep, it's over. Yeah. <sighs> hey, I got. I'll tell uh, you this. Go, go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead. No, 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 no. Stay on this topic. I have two two other. I mean, they're related because we're talking about gigs, but they're not related to this. So go ahead. Yeah. So I just felt it. I feel it necessary after I shared that we had a challenging gig last Saturday. We crushed it. The House Rockers crushed it this this past Saturday. So a week ago, Saturday. I, you know, I, we did the show Monday and I said, Ugh, that was a loose one. Mm. We had some chatter about it. We had some back and forth. We talked about, you know, don't be that guy who just assumes it's going to be a loose night and, you know, let it go. Yeah. Everybody has to, you know, kind of you know, dig in. This last Saturday, again, we had played a place where we have developed. It, it's actually, it's, you know, it's about an hour drive away from here. But we've developed an audience over time and we play to a packed house from downbeat. The, the dance floor fills up and there's just this great energy all the time. Some very interesting characters that we have, you know, at this gig. We have, we have, uh, you know, people looking for love. We have men dressed as women, women dressed as men. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Just, just there is a cornucopia of interesting people that, uh, that come out to these gigs. And, um, but the energy is really wholesomely awesome. And, uh, and the band was just on fire, which was was really rewarding and i think it i think you know how you handle 
how you react to adversity says a lot about you as a person, as a lot about you as a band. And, and you know, I, I think my role as the leader was to say, we don't want this to happen. Does everybody agree? We don't want this to happen. Yeah. And we don't want, we don't want messiness to be a, a habit, you know, that you, we fall into. And what are we going to do if it ever happens again? So uh, the horn section got together and ran some things at rehearsal just by them. They had a section rehearsal and smooth some stuff over and pretty much everything that I had some concerns about in the previous gig, I, I quite consciously wrote a set list that was pretty similar to the last one to see what everybody would do with the same songs. Uh, we ran a little bit of a rehearsal, but boom, you know, it was really rewarding night. So great, great energy, funky crowd, fun crowd, um, you know, a lot of love flowing both ways. The band's energy kept going and the audience's energy kept going. So it was a great night. Oh, that's awesome. I'm glad, I'm glad to hear that, that, that all like worked. It, it often does, right? I mean, it, it, when, well, if it doesn't, you're in the wrong band. I was right? just going to say, assuming that everyone has the, the same shared common goal, it, it's it, it those things will work out. And if you like you said, if you don't, well, that's also good information to have. <laughs> I mean, well, you know, it just happens. Right. Um, I wound up doing sound the other night for on Thursday night for um, this coffee house thing that's, that my daughter's school puts on uh, four times a year. It's actually in conjunction with them releasing their school magazine and all this stuff. But uh, a bunch of bands play and a bunch of uh, like acoustic acts play and a comedian um, spoke. It's all students. It's just, you know, it's the kids sort of put it together. And my daughter is editor of her paper this year, which means she's sort of responsible for making it all happen. So she's wrote me in to do sound uh, the last few times. And we, uh, it, but I've been doing it with a kid that was a high school kid. He actually graduated early. This guy, Nate, who uh, actually turned out to be a great sound engineer and a lighting engineer. I've worked with him since he was in like seventh grade. It's great. Um, but he showed up with four Sennheiser 835 vocal mics. And man, these are a hundred dollar mics on Amazon. Actually, they're hundred dollar mics anywhere. These things, they're dynamic vocal mics. They blew me away. The one thing I couldn't really test because the room that we do this in has really high ceilings and sounds is always very forgiving. Like I can run, I can run the monitor EQs pretty much flat and never have a problem. So I don't know how their gain before feedback is. I just couldn't test that. But in terms of just the tone and and richness out of these things, but also the articulation, like they just sound great. I was really blown away. And for a hundred bucks, I mean, you can you can get mics that sound better if you're willing to pay, you know, two fifty for like a, a, a an M eighty or a, a Heil, like a PR thirty five or something like that. But like th this isn't that far away from those. These th these mics sounded really good on a variety of different voices and different people, you know, technique wise and everything. I was just blown away. I wanted to share it here. Any comparison to a Beta Fifty Eight? I have always hated the Beta Fifty Eight. To be perfectly mm. honest, I, I don't know. It's, it's personal preference. I know a lot of people like them, um, but I I've always found them a little too um, I, uncontrollable. I think is the 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 word I would use, they just seem a little raucous. I don't know. I don't know if that's even, if that even makes sense to people, but 
Um, I've never liked them, but I mean, I know a lot of people use them and I've, I've heard them sound good. I just doing sound on them. I've never really liked them. So, do you, so, so there's a, there's a thought in our band about everybody using the same vocal mic cause you can EQ all the vocal mics the same. How do you feel about that? Uh, no, not, not important. It, it It's helpful if you are like in a scenario, like I had the other night, right. Where there's different people coming up all the time. It's nice to have some, something that's consistent, but in terms of, uh, different, the same vocal mic for different people. No, I think the same vocal mic for the same person at every gig is super important because not mm-hmm. only will that person, you know, learn to sing into the mic, you can find a mic that works for your voice and the way you sing, we all project at different levels. So my feeling is no, I mean, there's nothing wrong with having everybody on the same mic, but I don't, I, I don't, it's not a, a mandate for me at all. Not even a little bit. Yeah. So the difference between a hundred bucks and two hundred and fifty bucks is not that terribly much. And so, what what more would you get for a two hundred fifty dollar mic? Um, I, I think, and I, again, I, I should test. You use this. the Heil mic, right? I I, do, I use a PR thirty. Yeah, only because the thirty five didn't really exist when I started um, using those mics, and and I just fell in love with the with the thirty. It's an odd shape for a, a vocal mic on stage, but behind the drums and stuff, it it actually works really well. Um, and they have a PR 30 BW now built for drummers, which is half the, the depth. So you can really kind of fit it in nicely, uh, as a vocal mic. They, they have super off axis rejection, like for behind the kit, which is really great again for behind the kit, but also for feedback, because if it's rejecting off axis sound, then it's going to reject what's coming in from the monitors. Um, but, uh, so I don't know what the off axis rejections like on these eight thirty fives because I, I, it simply isn't a factor in that room. But, um, but uh, so that, that's one of the things it's just super high gain, um, before feedback on both the, the, the Hiles that I mentioned in the, the Telefunk and the M80, that's a, that's, you know, they, they do well They're and they're radically different microphones. I don't know if you've ever sung into an M80, uh, but they're, they're, they sound great. They're very particular in terms of exactly where you need to place yourself. They kind of remind me of the old, oh, now I, uh, the electro voice mics. Those, those were the same way. Like you have like a very defined area there. I just find blending harmonies with an M80 more difficult because I can't, you know, affect as much mic technique, just floating around it as I can with the Heil. But, but again, that's, that's what I'm saying is like personal preference. One of the guys in, in fling uses an M80, Johnny D uses an M80 and it's great. I mean, on their voices, the way they sing, it's perfect. I wouldn't, I wouldn't even suggest they change. So, yeah. Yeah. So, um, one other thing, and I, I don't think I mentioned this before, but stop me if I did the last time I did coffee house, I figured this out and I did it again the other night and it worked out great having lots of different, everybody was doing like three songs or whatever. And I wanted to have music playing in between each of the acts. Like somebody would finish, uh, an MC would come up and say, let's hear it for, you know, for Reese. Great. Nice job. Everybody clap. And then up next will be the band junction or whatever. And then it would take, you know, a few minutes for the, the changeover to happen. And at that moment I wanted music to start playing, you know, in the background or whatever. Um, what I did was I built the, the event lasted three hours. I actually built a five hour playlist, put it on shuffle and let it run all night. And then I just had my mutes so that uh, when I jumped from having the, you know, from having all the mics open to having all the mics closed, that mute group would actually unmute the iPad and or the, the input, you know, from the from the uh, 
playlist that I built and it would just, you know, where pick up wherever it was. It didn't have to yeah. come at the start of a song or whatever. And man, it made like it was so much easier than fumbling for the i you know the iPod or iPad or whatever it is that's playing the song or switching apps to like oh I got to start the playlist again. Just let it run. It's fine. Let it run all night and jump back and forth and and then you don't have to worry about it. It's all good. You just unmute it. Yeah, now of course yeah. you have to be careful not to unmute it in the middle of a song. <laughs> you, you know, but like other than that, that that would be the the biggest risk. But yeah, it worked out great. So I did it again. It was like, oh yeah. So I now I'm. Good tip. Uh, it's a good tip. There you go. That's all it is. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's all I got for today. Do you got anything else? Yeah. Sorry to keep stepping on you so much today. You didn't step. My, I, yeah. I thought it was good. Yeah. All right, man. Yeah, it's good stuff. But I appreciate the apology, but it's uh, <laughs> it, I, it wasn't necessary. <laughs> I'm nothing if not polite. There we are. That's because we respect each other, man. It's all good. Thank you, bro. Yeah. All right, folks. Well, we respect you, too. Uh, we would love to hear from you. You can email us feedback at giggabpodcast.com. You can find us on Facebook, giggabpodcast.com slash Facebook. Uh, thanks to our sponsor, TuneLicensing.com. GigGab2018 is the coupon code there. That's pretty much what I got, man. You got anything a lot else? of stuff. Yeah. Nah, just, oh yeah, always. Always. Me. Performing. <laughs> <laughs>